Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Wednesday, June the 30th, the last day in June. How about it? We are about to be into July. Hard to believe Granted, this Phillies season has felt like it's six years long at times, so in some ways it's easier to believe. But we come off a win last night, and I see the Phillies get a victory at home against the Marlins back at home. Look, anytime you beat the Marlins, it's a good thing when you're this Philadelphia Phillies team, given your history against the Marlins. Uh, But look, they needed a win last night. They got it, both the Nats and the Mets win, so they don't gain any ground on them. The Braves lose to the Mets, so... Gain ground on the Braves, but ultimately the top of the division stays the same. The Nationals still white hot as well. Kyle Schwarber, geez Louise, Kyle Schwarber is out of control. I mean, just unbelievable. One of the great hitting power streaks we've ever seen from Kyle Schwarber. You know, he's being mentioned with guys like Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa for the amount of home runs he's hit in a certain period of games at this point is is pretty insane. Nice signing by the Nationals. One year, $10 million for him. Phillies didn't have any of those. Sweet, sweet one-year, $10 million deals, did they? No. Or even one million, one-year whatever deals. None of those worked out. We'll get to that. We'll get to Dombrowski in a little bit. But um, look, you need the win last night. They get a win. I'm not going to kill them for winning now, to be fair. Man, they really made it closer than it needed to be. A 4 nothing lead turns into a 4-3 lead. And uh, made it terrifying, Uh, just absolutely terrifying in the moment. Luckily, they do find a way to win the game, thank goodness, as uh, it was scary. And, and, And honestly, the sense memory at this point, as we talked about yesterday, in the moment, I was waiting for them to blow it, like we all were. I don't think, I don't think there's anyone alive watching that Phillies game who didn't feel uncomfortable, who didn't feel uncomfortable you know, at that moment, it's four to one. Then all of a sudden, it's a, a two-run homer in the ninth, and you're like, "Oh, buddy, great! This is great. We're all good. No outs. One-run game. Sure, Phillies thrive in that spot. Luckily, they get out of it. They win the game. Let's look at it, and then we'll get into some other stuff. But um, look, it was a nice win for the Phillies yesterday, particularly for one person. As shout out to Vince, buddy, Vince Velasquez, his 
best start in as long as I can remember, you know, maybe since the 16 strikeout game. Like, that good. Velasquez goes seven shutout. Yes, you heard me right. Seven innings from Vince. Vince was awesome. Seven innings, only two hits allowed, no walks, seven strikeouts. Hello, sir. Welcome. More of this, please. It was awesome. Vinny was great. Now, the bullpen wasn't. <laughs> Man, the bullpen wasn't. Connor Bryden comes in, allows a run. So the Phillies get out to an early lead. Uh, one nothing in the first, and Andrew McCutcheon, RBI single. You get a couple runners on. Not able to convert as much as you'd like, but they get a lead. Then Hoskins breaks another 0 for, in this case, 0 for 23 slump. We had the 0 for 33 slump broken by the Kershaw homer. This one, an 0 for 23 slump. Hoskins homers a solo shot in the sixth to make it 2 nothing. Then some key runs in the seventh. An RBI doubled from Oduba, uh, Odubel. And then back-to-back wild pitches by a dude named Bender. And all of a sudden it's 4 nothing. And, and those wild pitches would prove to be important, clearly, as the bullpen would just give it up. Brogdon can't get through the eighth. Gives up a run, allows multiple base runners. Alvarado able to come in and get them out of the inning. It was a big spot for Alvarado. Now, here's something that Drury does that I don't love, and he's done it a lot the last couple of years, is bring a guy into a big spot to get a big high leverage out, and then he brings him back the next inning. And look, Alvarado got through it, but it wasn't easy as he gives up a two-run home run to Adam Duvall in the process, making it 4-3. Ultimately, able to get out of the inning and escape it with a 4-3 victory, but certainly not a... Uh, not a painless, not a uh, not a uh, uh, ter- non-terrifying thing for Phillies fans. Is look, they get out of it with a win, but man, man, it didn't feel like it. And again, Girardi just <sighs> continues to mystify with the the bullpen handling. And and you know, look, he, Connor Brodden needs to come in and get outs there. So I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But still, um, it just seems like every night. You know, there's there's something. Um, Philly's offense didn't get going at all. Um, seven walks, three hits to the Phillies last night. Three hits for this team. So now what you want to see, Reese Hoskins averages all the way down to 224. And even more alarming with Reese, a 300 on base percentage. Reese Hoskins, he of the often around 400. On base percentage, 300. I know he's had pop, leads the team in homers. Man, they need more from Reese Hoskins. Obviously, look, we all know what a disaster he is defensively. I mean, call it like you see it. And we all know what a disastrous press conference he had over the weekend. We all know that, too. We talked about that yesterday. Talk about the good things, Reese. But just offensively now, I mean, that's the thing is is if you're going to have someone who's that below average a defender you need him to hit man you need him to hit and and the 16 17 whatever homers is nice don't get me wrong i, I love the the power hoskins 17th homer last night but man a 300 on base percentage 300 <sighs> that's bad that's really bad i mean you look at the starting lineup last night other than Ronald Torres, who has a higher batting average by 40 points than than uh, Reese Hoskins, 
the lowest on the team. I mean, Luke Williams has a higher one coming in. Odubo has a higher one. Segura obviously has a higher one, and we'll get to Segura being back. Romuto higher. Harper higher. McCutcheon higher. McCutcheon's been very good in the last month or so. Uh, Alec Bohm, excuse me. I forgot I should have always included Bohm there. Bohm only at 285. But those two guys, really, like, if you want to point, and Bryce, too. And, you know, we'll get to that. But, you know, those two guys, Hoskins and, and Bohm, really swinging the season in a lot of ways. This team is 37-40. and 40. Um, almost halfway through the season after, you know, this weekend, we're halfway through the season past it. It's crazy. Um, so like just the offensive defensive production you've gotten from the corners has, has, has absolutely crushed this team. It's destroyed this team. I mean, we all know, look, defensively you have the worst defensive first baseman and the worst defensive third baseman in baseball, according to every defensive metric you look at. I mean, Alec Bohm is historically bad defensive metrics wise. And here's the thing, like whether you like analytics or not, and and I'll be honest, you know if you listen to the show that I'm I'm generally partial to analytics. I'm partial to all of it. I think it's a combination of things. You need analytics along with a gut feel, with a with an eye, with with knowing your players, all those types of things. But I do think analytics are important. And even me, I'm not a huge fan of defensive analytics. I think they have a long way to go in terms of really capturing what's happening out there, but they're still good. And here's the thing with these ones. They jive with the eye test, don't they? We know. Now, you might not watch every other team in baseball every night, but we know that when we watch Alec Bohm and Reese Hoskins play, that they're the worst at their position that we've seen in Philadelphia in a long time. Maybe ever. Probably ever, for me at least. Like, I certainly, certainly don't remember a worse, and and outside of, you know, um, someone playing it for an inning here or there or whatever, I don't. I don't remember a worse defensive third baseman than Alec Bohm in my time watching the Philadelphia Phillies, and I don't remember a worse defensive first baseman than Reese Hoskins. Now, I'm sure there are guys who are on par with them, but I don't remember worse ones. I mean, you have the worst corner infielding in baseball handily. 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 And then you add in the fact that those two guys have the lowest OBPs in your starting lineup? Other than Ronnie Torres, who's the best defensive player on the field? bad it's bad it's really bad it's not it's not sustainable certainly not if you want to be a playoff team which you know come on so um they really need more from reese they need a lot more from reese especially mr coming out and you know uh, talk about the good things guys you know we're we were having a lead on the road late. Whoa, a lead late on the road. Can you believe it? But you, but you, but you lost, right, Reese? You, you lost the game. So what are we doing here? God, I'm still so not over that. Like, what a weak sauce. Weak sauce thing to say. It was just so embarrassingly weak from Reese Hoskins. For a guy who's been here as long as he has, to say that, what a loser thing to say. It really was just a flat-out loser thing to say. I just I'm so disappointed in Reese right now. I really am. Obviously, from a play perspective, um, the worst offensive output we've seen from him now. He had that half a season a couple years ago that we all remember as like the worst half a season we've ever seen from any of his worst player in baseball. And that was. And and he was worse from a, a contact perspective then, but he had better OBP then than he does now. Crazy to think about. A three hundred on base percentage for Reese Hoskins. Seven sixty two OBS. Seven fifty two, excuse me, is that four fifty two slugging like Nowhere close to good enough. And look, we need more from Bryce Harper. I've talked about that a lot. And, you know, 267, 381, 480 slash line, not close to good enough. And certainly the 22 games missed, not good enough. But I get it. 
It is what it is. They need more from Bryce, but I mean, Reese is actively bad right now. Actively. On both sides of the ball. So, that's a problem. And again, you know, breaks the 0 for 23 slump with a homer, but goes 1 for 4. Again, with a 300 on base and a 224 batting average. So, they just absolutely, absolutely need more from Reese. But look, ultimately, they win the game yesterday. You get back at it today. They need they need to sweep the Marlins. I mean, this is as as must sweep a series as I can remember because then you get the Padres, then you go on the road for the Cubs and the, the Red Sox. I mean, the ten games prior to the All Star break against those teams are against ten playoff teams. You know, ten games against three playoff teams, excuse me. Like I mean, not great. Seven of them on the road, and this team on the road, like they have to sweep this series. They have to. I know that sounds dramatic. It is dramatic. I get it. I get it. I'm, I understand how dramatic it sounds. They have to sweep the Marlins. They have to. And look, you got your good pitchers going now. You won with Vince. You won with Vince twirling a gem. Like, don't blow that. All right, we'll look ahead to the rest of the series uh, in a few minutes. But um, quickly, a couple things before we get to that. One, uh, Segura was back yesterday. That was Huge. Awesome to see if this offense is going to do anything meaningful. Segura's clearly given me a part of it. He's been the most consistent hitter for this team all season long. The guy who at least, you know, when not injured and has had two stints on the IL, which have obviously hurt. But other than being hurt, he's been awesome. And you hope that he can come back. Uh, you know, not a great night last night, but getting his timing back and stuff. And you hope he can get back to where he was and, and be that offensive. Put the ball on the bat force for this team. Uh, now, as great as is that back huge, the uh, corresponding move uh, by the Phillies was to send Spencer Howard down in the minors. And a lot to unpack with this. First of all, good. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Good. It's the right move because this guy's not a major league starter right now, very clearly. I mean, the dude can't get out of the third inning. The velocity falls apart. Like, he's the, the get the stamina of a, of a 10-year-old running for the first time. I, I just... I guess you probably run before 10. You know what I'm saying. Um, it's just, it is it is sounding. It's astounding to watch. We know it is. We, we've, you know, obviously talked about it a ton. But um, I do think it's the right move to send him down. You know, the, the two options, as we talked about, were either send him down to the minors and, and figure this out or make him the closer. And look, I can see the validity in that. But as we've talked about many times, this team is in a spot right now where I think if we're talking about what's more important Spencer Howard helping them win games out of the bullpen right now or spent the future of Spencer Howard as a starter or finding out if he can be a starter. I think it's the latter by miles. I don't even think it's a, a question. <laughs> you know, that's more important. Um, so I'm happy they're doing it and they've sent him down with the message, Spencer, you're a starter. We believe in you in this, as a starter, and we want you to go down and figure out how to be a starter. Stretch yourself out. Get to 100-plus pitches. Like, that's the guy we want. And that's what it should be. I agree. Like, again, the Phillies have a lot riding on Spencer Howard. He is their only high-end, major league-ready prospect. And clearly, he's not major league-ready. So that is a, a pejorative term rather than just a uh, a real factual statement. But, you know, he is the the close to the majors and the only real deal true prospect they have. And look, it's hard to believe that he's a real deal true prospect when we watch him pitch because not great. You know, you could see the stuff. You could see the arm in that first inning that he pitches, that first time through the lineup, the first two innings, whatever. He looks great. It's good. But 
the 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 level to which he falls apart is astounding. It is a massive concern for him moving into the future. Uh, look, I think it's very fair to say that he might not be a starter. I mean, it's pretty clear that there's a chance he could be a a, a reliever, like a multi inning reliever, a closer for them, or whatever. Look, that could still be a valuable thing. Don't get me wrong, but. Man, if Spencer Howard's not a, a starter for this team, that's a massive disappointment, organizationally speaking. Again, I mean, how many of these guys, over and over and over again, do we have to have fail? And then, look, I know he's been hurt this year, but but you look at Sixto in Miami last year, what he did, and you know you traded that guy away, and you just see the ceiling with that guy. You see the ability with that guy. And look, he might always be hurt. He's a little guy who throws really hard, and that's a potential outcome of that. But, I mean, even what we saw from him last year was just so much more, um, makes you so much more hopeful about his career as a starter than Spencer Howard. There is no hope with Spencer Howard as a starter right now. And that's why I do think it is the right move to send him to the minors and figure this out. Because he's not helping the team right now. You know, I'd rather just have Bailey Falter start, right? Wouldn't you? Sure everyone would. I'd rather have Ranger Suarez. I'd rather have this, that, whatever. Um, so I think it will be Bailey Falter. I'm very good with that. I think give the kid a chance. He looked really good the other night. He's looked good in every opportunity he's gotten. He has that weird deep release that that makes it hard to see, makes his fastball seem faster, makes his ball seem harder to hit. Let's go. Let's ride this. Why not? Look, it can't be worse than Howard going out for two innings and then falling apart. That is not helpful. And look, I have nothing against openers as a concept. I actually think openers is a... Relatively smart concept in the idea of, you know, you get a guy to go out, throw hard versus the top of the lineup, get six outs, or even three outs and get the top of the lineup, and then bring your starter in and let him, you know, mow down the middle of the lineup, start on the middle of the lineup, get less time seeing the top of the lineup. Like, there is real validity to it as a strategy. I, I get it. It just doesn't work when Spencer Howard it just falls apart, you know, and where you're trying to get more of him. He's not an opener. They're, they're not using him as an opener. He just is an opener. That's the problem. So, uh, I, I appreciate that they're sending him down. I think it's the right move. It's, it's what they should do. Um, but again, it is, uh, there's no question that the, the Spencer Howard thing right now is a real tenuous situation for this franchise and a, um, a potential real black mark against them that, that, that they couldn't develop this kid who you know, has all the talent in the world and was seen by many as a legit, legit, legit guy. You know, that, that's concerning. I'm worrying, so let's hope that Spencer Howard goes down to the Myers, figures it out, stretches his arm out a little bit, gets a little stamina, and can find his way back to being a legitimate pitcher for this team. Um, the guy who makes those decisions, David Dombrowski, and I want to get tomorrow more into Dombrowski as we are heading into the weekend. I'm um, I'm away Friday through Wednesday of next week, so no no show until the following Thursday, so, you know, the whole July 4th weekend, that whole thing I'll be all for. So, you know, I want to dive into to Dave Dombrowski heading into July because it's going to be squarely on his shoulders. There's a lot of questions. What should this team do? What will they do? And look, a lot depends, as Bryce Harper alluded to last week, on, on if this team can force the issue with Dave Dombrowski, if they can push him, if they can show him that they are a worthwhile team to invest in. If not, it's a really complicated decision for Dombrowski, you know? What do you do? And obviously, it's not just Dombrowski, Middleton, Sam Fold, everyone in on this discussion, this decision, but the idea of, of a team that has set expectations for its fan base, that has said, okay, we get it. A lot of losing. It's time. We're ready. We got real guys here. We got all-stars. We got 
good players. We went out and spent a lot of money. We have the fifth highest payroll in the sport right now. Like, go time. Let's go. Enough of this. They brought in Dave Dombrowski because he's that guy. Dave Dombrowski is not the guy you bring in to build it from the ground up. Which, many could argue, is the kind of guy they should have brought in. But they didn't. They brought in Dave Dombrowski, who obviously has a very strong track record in Major League Baseball, but has a track record as a person who comes in and revamps things and, and goes for it and makes moves to win. Now, his time in Detroit a little different, but but ultimately that's where he ended up, um, it, where it ended up. So it's going to be a really interesting spot for Nemowski. Uh He has to really look his team in the mirror, so to speak, and say, what are we? What can we be? And what is the smartest thing for this franchise for the next 10 years? Like, that's the thing. That's the thing. Decisions as much as this organization, and obviously this fan base, us, as much as we want them to go for it, to to win it, like we desperately do, we also have watched enough bad baseball for enough of a long time that we also can look at it and say, don't blow, don't like bleep this up for a long time. You know, don't, don't ruin the now or don't push for the now to ruin the future forever. You know, like, because it's a tenuous spot. This team does not have prospects. Like they need prospects. They need talent. So look, there's a lot in this. I mean, the idea of, of buying or selling is, is, is almost kind of, Small potatoes, when you think about the players involved, like the buying, look, they don't have enough, as Bryce Harper so, you know, eloquently put it, uh, whether smart or not, they don't really have guys to go out and, and use to get big-time big time players. Like So even if they buy, I feel like it's fringe buying. It's what we've seen the last few years, the Wilson Ramos-type moves, the Estrubal Cabrera-type moves, and, and who knows, but that would be my guess. It's more that. And if it's selling, like it's a... Do they really sell? Like, are we talking about trading Zach Wheeler? Like, Zach Wheeler's got three years left on his deal, and the way he's pitching, it looks like one of the better pitching contracts in baseball for the price. I mean, you should be able to trade Zach Wheeler at the deadline if you wanted to for literally one of the top prospects in baseball. You know, that's the level of player you could get back for a Zach Wheeler if you decided to go that route. Now, I don't think the Phillies will go that route, and I don't know if they should. Um... I lean towards they should, honestly. Like right now at this moment, when I look again to go back to look in the mirror and, and think about what, what really is this team? What can they be? I definitely think that, that building it up with real deal prospects for the future is, is probably a smarter move because I just don't see the path here if they don't start showing us something. I mean, it just doesn't feel like a group that wins, right? I mean, that doesn't feel like it's going to change overnight. It's like not all of a sudden, oh, wait, we do have a lot of talent. Oh, we're good. Let's be good. Like, it just doesn't feel like that's going to happen. So, you know, I would strongly consider it. But it's a much tougher thing for Dave Dombrowski. Again, based on what this team has sold its fan base in terms of where they are and what they're going to be, it's really tough to come back halfway into a season and say, whoops, sorry, we're actually going to sell off. We're going to kind of do a little mini rebuilding on here and kind of start over. Not total start over, don't worry, but we're starting over a little bit here. Like, I just, I don't think they're going to do it. It takes some chutzpah to do that. I just don't know if they have that. But, again, it's all going to depend on how they look over the next month. You know, that that will make or break this group. 
And again, I, I think even if they're not great, if they're middling, if they're just on the fringes of it, I don't think they'll have the chutzpah to actually really commit to a, a, a real sell. But it's probably what they should do. We'll dive into that more tomorrow. We'll really discuss this. Like, what should they do? Is it smart for the Phillies to 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 sell? And again, depending on how they look over the next month, and you know, what does it mean for the team and where they at? And then Dombrowski, because look, there are other things with Dombrowski we need to talk about. I mean, Dombrowski did not have a great off season. <laughs> we and I know he came in late, and it's hard to blame him for some things. But the DD contract, not great. The the Alvarado trade is good, fine, but he hasn't been great. The the Sam Coonrod for Carson Ragsdale trade looks like a disaster. Carson Ragsdale looks like he's pretty damn good out there um, as a potential starter. Um, you know, you look at the moves, it's not great. I mean, Matt Moore and Chase Anderson are just flat-out horrendous, disastrous moves. Neftali Felice, they bring in, like, all these things. So, I don't know. Tomorrow we'll dive into that, a Dabrowski day. As we head into July, we begin July, and we head into the most important stretch of baseball for this team this season. The most important month of the season for the Phillies is July because it's either make or break time. You're either in it and you're going for it, or you're out of it and you're not. And we're going to know that this month. We're going to know that in the next 31 days. It's crazy. All right. Uh, so we'll be back tomorrow. We'll dive into Dombrowski. We'll look around the league as we head into the July 4th weekend, where everything sits, what the Phillies need to do, what they need to, what needs to happen for them to get back in this thing, for us to actually consider them a contender. We'll get into all that tomorrow. So until then, thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.